Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. Okay. Two things I want to say. One of the things is that, you know, if you're like me, you've navigated through some very interesting waters here in the past 20, 24 months. But one of the things that I've really been able to depend on is the people at my bank, my bank representative, and especially the folks I work with at Bank of America. But one of the things important to me is what they are doing to bring a new level of education for all of us. You know, what is it that all of us need to know? Ashley Roth's joining us here today, Client Care Executive at Bank of America. But the question is this, how has the pandemic redefined customer experience? How has that happened? And if it has happened, then what can we learn today from Ashley? Ashley, it's great to have you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It is great to be here. And thank you for the introduction and for being our customer. We appreciate it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Customer expectations have changed as a result of the pandemic, which really emphasizes why it's so important for companies to listen to their customers on an ongoing basis so that we understand how customer expectations are changing and how we can adapt quickly to that. One of the things that is more important now than ever, and this is not just for banking, but across all industries, is it's even more important to deliver easy solutions digitally and also have that personal touch with customers. Customers really want and expect both of those things. And so you as know, you mentioned for Bank of America, yeah. yeah. Um, I, one of the things that I was excited to talk to you about is just this. How do I say it? Maybe you can help me. It's not business as usual, except for the fact that one of the things we learned in 20 years, pretty much, is that the customer, one, is so in tune with the pulse of what they really want. And two, they're really eager to tell us, aren't they? Yes, that's very. That's a very good observation. It's, it's so true. Every customer expects to be treated as an individual and feel like they have a personal relationship with the business. And that includes, to your point, giving us feedback, telling us um, feedback about their experiences. We have a program where we send surveys out to clients to ask them about their experience. And exactly to your point, they want to tell us. We've had 50 million responses since that program launched. So they expect to have a dialogue with us and provide us their feedback, and they expect us to speak to them specifically. And so this concept of personalization is more important than ever. The companies don't talk to their customers like other customers. 
but they talk to their customers as individuals, specifically with solutions to them. I am so glad you brought that up because, you know, one of the things that I love about having this conversation with you is if there's one thing we've learned in the past 24 months is that the landscape and the language around the people we work with has to really shift to exactly what you said. Yes, of course, they are customers. Yes, of course, they are clients, but they are people with needs, desires, inspiration. You know, they are folks that have a vision. And that vision doesn't have to be gigunda. It could be a vision for their lives and their families. And what you're talking about, I'm just blown away by the number of people that participated. And can we talk a little bit, what are they saying? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So to your point, the pandemic has brought so much uncertainty and Now more than ever, our focus is on proving the financial health of our customers and our communities. And through the pandemic, we're even more committed to helping customers manage through their financial needs through this time of uncertainty, but also achieve their individual goals throughout their lifetime. And so to your point, every, every customer is unique and they have their own dreams. They have their own plans. And one of the features that we have at Bank of America to help with that is life plan, where customers can track their short-term and long-term financial goals over time. And it's one of our company's most rapidly adopted feature. About 5 million clients have engaged in it. So back to your point, it's, it's not banking is not just about helping these clients do transactions easily and digitally, but really about their whole financial needs, financial lives, and their their life plan for their finances. You know, I'll tell you one thing for me, and maybe you can talk to this because you really are on the pulse. First of all, let me thank you for taking the time and really putting the resources available to do a survey at this level. Um, Being a researcher myself, I know what is involved in this. I know the importance of research and uh, data integrity. And, you know, part of this now for you to even be out here talking about it is to help us understand um, what it means when we say we need to personalize experiences. We need to look at strategies differently. Can you can I don't know if if this is something that that you can talk about, but I know I've learned a ton and I've redirected my technology. I mean, what have we learned from your perspective? in the past 22, 24 months? What have we learned? Yeah, you know, customers, as I mentioned, expect both the digital solutions and the personal touch. And when we have all this information from our customers, whether it's surveys that you just mentioned, or even knowing how they transact with that with us, we have to use that to make their lives better and simpler and easy with solutions that are personalized to them. So I mentioned life plan, but let me bring a let me bring a different example to to really put a point on that. So personalization, I I used to get emails from my favorite pizza shop a couple <laughs> years ago that would give me a discount on a large pie and two liters. And right. that was an email for people like me, right? right. Customers like me. But now it's to the whole new level where they email me at the same exact time each week I usually order 
with the pre-filled option to reorder what I always get from my family. I double click to pay and it literally takes no more than 10 seconds. Mm. So I think what we've learned is customer expectations have changed. I'm not expecting a 10% off coupon. I'm expecting uh, something directly to me about my previous purchases and my behavior that's something that's going to make it easier for me. So that's what all companies need to really take into account is the game has changed. The game has changed. You know, I know these are short interviews and I and first of all, let me thank you and appreciate, you know, you coming on here and really enlighten us, because the other thing you're also sharing with us is you're sharing, you know, what action you all are taking. And, you know, part of this is really talking about how companies have provided solutions. But I want to in the two minutes or so that we have left is one, how do we find out more? That's also very important. But you touch upon something that is really important to me. I studied it for 10 years. I studied a trust in organizational and, and keeping promises. And I want to ask you, how has trust prevailed in your data so far? Yeah, absolutely. One of the, one of the ways that we think it's important to build trust with our customers is to communicate to over-communicate. Communication with clients is so invaluable and it was for us throughout the pandemic. And sometimes people are hesitant to over-communicate because they don't want to bother the clients. But in reality, clients appreciate knowing you always have their back and it gains their trust. So that's the first thing. I think the other thing is acknowledge the relationship and say thank you. Acknowledge their loyalty, acknowledge that they've chosen you as a company Mm -hmm. to serve them and say thank you. So we're for National Customer Service Week, we're saying thank you to all our clients Mm -hmm. simply for being our client. Mm -hmm. And then to your last question about how to learn more, bankofamerica.com is the place where all the information is. Can search up what you're looking for there, um, bankofamerica.com. You know, thank you so much. <clears throat> I, I, I know that our listeners, our audience are fully aware of what it takes for you all to come out here and do these interviews to educate us, to make sure that you're providing us with information and that you are also making sure you stay on the pulse of what people are looking for. Because first and foremost, I don't know how many times I've said this, but I think Pink Floyd said it best. You know, when we're talking about money and our personal finances, it doesn't get more important than that. And to do these educational programs and to do the surveys that you're doing and to bring this information, it is filling in an enormous gap for people. And I wanted you to know that we've had our listeners comment on things that you will have done before. So thank you for staying on the pulse of what's going on and the changes and transition. I can't wait till you do the next survey. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for that. That's great feedback to hear. And it's been my pleasure to be here today. All right. Thank you. We're going to take a short break. Everybody, we'll be right back. Life can be demanding. And you may feel like you're constantly on the go, but sometimes our wheels are spinning and we're too focused on making them turn to notice we're stuck in the mud. Tune into The Pause with me, Ellen Wyoming Deloy, every second and fourth Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio. Learn how to stop, reflect, and start moving forward with intention. And if you're really looking to jumpstart your personal development, schedule a free consultation with me at ellenwyomingdeloy.com. 
www.generationtalkradio.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to our fabulous, fabulous Authors Corner today. Let me just tell you, before I introduce my special guest today, here's the question that I want to ask everybody. What does it mean to live a truly substantial life? One of the things I like to ask is, what does it mean to live a truly abundant and grateful life? And what does that mean when I ask that question? Can you look back at your life? Can you look at all the things you've been through? Can you look back and say, wow, I did an outstanding job of this? Or what is it you would say to yourself? What would you what would you think as you're sitting there and thinking back over those days? Did you think about the challenges you've overcome? Did you think about the people you've loved? Did you think about how you step up into the world? Are you ready to tell the story of your life? My guest today, more than ready to tell the story of his life. View White Story, Summer Classics. Wow. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Appreciate it. Now, I got to tell you, it's really interesting because we had a debate over uh, how to pronounce your name or what to say with your name. You know, my stepmom comes from the Deep South. And so... <laughs> you sent it to her? So she says, why don't you just call him Bo? I said, no, Mama, that's not the way we're going to do it. But that look, whether we call ourselves by this name or that, it's the sum of how we lived that could tell yeah. the story. Yeah, definitely. Well, I got a wake up call on that one. <laughs> well, and you know, I want to talk with you about that because you know, you and I are not far apart. You know, um, having grown up with a stepmama from the deep south, as I like to say, um, you know, there's some lessons that I've gotten in life. But for you to come forward and tell this story now, and to write this book now. And to collaborate to write this book now, the power of your story, I can't even express how timely this is. What has been your heart's inspiration to come forth now? Well, when I was in the hospital, one of the reasons I wrote this story was because I don't think people realize you're going to get a signal that you're going to die. And it's like 100% accurate. It's just like you get it. And it's like, okay, you got you got a few minutes to say whatever you're going to say. So. Say it, because we're out of here. Eternity greets you. Mm. And so um, I was fortunate that I came back from that, and then I got a signal in my brain, and I would say it came from God. You can, you know, you can put wherever it came from, but it was like, write the book, write the book. And I had I'd already started working on this, but... Uh, and after I wrote 13 chapters, I found out I wasn't a very good writer. <laughs> Maybe I need to get somebody else to do it. But, um, that was what inspired me. And so I'm hopeful that people will be touched by it. I, that's the intention anyway. And obviously from the reviews I've seen so far, which I didn't write it for reviews, I wasn't – I'm really – 
surprised by her reviews, frankly. But I loved it. You know, the story because it's about me. But that sounds egotistical. Sorry about that. Yeah. And uh, and I thought, wow, great reviews. God has had, got his hand in this as well, or mm-hmm. somebody does. Mm-hmm. You know? It's not me. But you know, yeah, I totally agree with you because I don't think I'm sitting here because I'm all that. I think I'm sitting here because you know, you and I have this in common. You know, we've been touched by God, whatever one calls it, universe. People listening to this show fill in your own blank on this. But there is a point by which we get touched and we ask ourselves the question, wow, what a life. Do I have it all? And I want to ask you this question because as I'm reading the book and I'm going through this and, you know, I saw so much of my own life like flash in front of me until the moment I looked in the mirror and I didn't recognize myself. How did that happen for you? Well, you know, I'm kind of a clothes horse. So when I came home, I I looked at my closet and went, well, that was stupid. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. That's just weird. That's a weird thing to say, I guess, mm-hmm. or think. But it's like, okay, well, those, that doesn't matter in the scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Your clothes are, you know, I, they say the clothes makes a man. If you read the George Washington book, he spent a lot of time and effort on his clothing to make him look a certain way. It certainly worked, but I don't know. It's just uh, that was that was just something that happened. But then this, you know, this signal that you need to write the book, and I'm going to try and I'm keep working on it. I'm like, I can't do this. Wow. I'm going to have to get somebody to help me. It took yeah. eight years to get it done. So it's yeah. tough. It is tough. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I've been asked by a number of publishers to sit down and write my book. And I'm kind of like where you are. You know, I'm great to be able to ask you questions and talk about this. But, you know, part of this is part of the journey. I want to ask you this question. Let's talk about your life for a minute. You know, Mama used to say it's a long and winding road. And she would say that even before the Beatles came out with that song. But she would say it's a long and winding road. You know, don't don't run yourself off a cliff. I don't think anybody wrote that part down. You know, it took me a while to grow up and, and really get to the point where, oh, my goodness, I am getting ready to run off the cliff. How many moments have you had in your life like that? Well, certainly there's a <laughs> – I say I have an MBA in mistakes, and certainly <laughs> as you read through this thing – well, I'm working on my PhD now, but um, I, I've – you know, to get to the 2008 recession, and that was like oh. off the cliff. I'm like, oh. uh, I just didn't know what was going to happen. I, you know, mm. I, what I, what I said, I had somebody interviewed me the other day. I said, I didn't need amphetamines to stay awake. I could not sleep. Yeah. I didn't need any help staying awake. I did need help sleeping, but I couldn't get that either. So I was just like, I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. I've got to get an answer. I'm, you know, keep working on it. I got through it. I mean, I think that, you know, you get these trials and there's a reason for them, I think. And, you know, it makes you a different, better person. Yeah, I don't know you would have. Like going through it. You hate going through it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, look, it. I don't know that you and I would be here if we didn't go through it. And, you know, let me ask you, let me ask you a question around that. You know, what I mean by that as I'm reading through your book is, it's really clear to me that, you know, at some point in time, you you know, you think you've got it made. You think you have it all. You think, you think everything that, you know, they said you needed to have, you have. And then one day, 2008, 7, 8, I, I say 7 because, you know, our listeners started talking about it then. They were losing their jobs left and right. And, you know, you get to that moment. It's a pivotal moment. And some people drop to their knees. Other people rise up. Other people don't get off the couch. 
And, you know, what got you up? What what was that thing or things where you just got struck by this beautiful light to say, I've got to step up. I've got to get up. I've got to move beyond this. I've got to. You can fill in the blanks for us if you don't mind. <laughs> well, my, my son describes it as grit. That's it, boy. <laughs> I just see she, she says you've got grit. You know, you're willing to push through extremely difficult situations mm. and get to the other side. You got. I mean, it's uh, we have a motto in the company: whatever it takes, and it's sort of that. Yeah. You know, never give up, or the you know, it's sort of the. The mantra of Winston Churchill, never, 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 ever give up. And that's kind of, you know, you just keep working through it till you get, you don't necessarily get the result you want, but you get a result and and you move on. And then that's what happened. I, you know, yeah, you're right. I thought I was at the top of the world and then I realized, no, I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose it all right here. It's mm-hmm. like... You're, it's almost like you're gambling, but you're you're gambling on yourself, I guess, which always felt better about gambling mm-hmm. on myself than gambling. It. I've gotten to where I, I might put a quarter in a slot machine. At least, <laughs> that's about it, you know. Oh my God! True, I'm leaving, you know? <laughs> True confessions. I do have to buy a lottery ticket from now and again. Yeah, um, sure, yeah. I get ready to get, go do that mm-hmm. today. Um, but you know, like you know, as I take a look at this, I'm reading through the book. There's so many things that we could talk about, and I know this is a really short interview. Um, and before we get too far rolling, uh, first of all, tell folks one how they find out about you let's give them your website and then how do they get a copy of the book let's start there if we could if you want to find this is not intentional but if you google bu white because it's a weird name yeah my middle name actually is william bu white the third but so i went by bu after i moved to new york in 1972 and then uh if you just google bu white there's crazy amounts of information (laughs) there it's like Oh my gosh! I have I, I had to buy BewWhite.com. I'm not publisher or something. You got to buy the BewWhite.com. Like, yep. Somebody had it. I was like, Oh my god! I know. I know. I buy my own website. <laughs> you do. I have to buy mine now. You know, mine yeah, has not been available. My name thing has not been available, and finally, it's available. And I just had to put a bid on it. I'm like, Okay, yeah. okay, God, I got it. I can do that. Yep. Um, yep. And then they can get the book from here, too. And I just want to make sure everybody, when we say Be White, it's B-E-W, White. Right. So like go ahead and Google it, and well, you'll get there. Say, like, if you can say few, you can say mute. You can exactly, exactly. Um, look, this, we're talking about a story, a summer classic, uh, but it's a story that touches the heart of so many. If I, if, if I could just mention this to you, as I'm reading through it. There's so many impactful things, but one of the things that happened in my life and happened in your life too, one of the things I never thought I'd lose or be at risk for losing was my health. Now, what about you? Well, I'm, you know, I went to China 29 times, so I developed, and I didn't know I had a blood clotting issue, and I was mm. taking the aspirin. And, I, you know, aspirin thins your blood. Yeah. That's not what, that doesn't help. Uh, you need an anticoagulant, so I found that out the hard way, <laughs> so, so that your blood doesn't clot. Even though it's thin, it can still clot. Right. So an anticoagulant. And they have all these cool ones now, but um, 
I was like, I didn't, you know, when I got in the hospital and found out I had uh, blood clots, five blood clots in my lungs, I was like, that's impossible. I'm taking so much aspirin. So like, nah, that's not what you need to be taking. And I was like, okay, wow. Yeah. You know, the story, the story itself is really, uh, it's a wonderful life. It's a new version of It's a Wonderful Life to me. I mean, when I, when I finished, I went, man, this is so similar to something. I just realized that's what it was as, as I was watching it one Christmas. I'm thinking, man, other than I didn't try to kill myself, but it's very similar where Royal Bank of Scotland is Potter, you know, and then you have uh, my wife, Donna Reed is not my wife, but it's pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Jimmy Stewart either, but uh, everything kind of lines up that way. It's just so, it's kind of amazing. But, you know, this is a question I want to ask you. I want to, you know, this is what I love about having these conversations, you know, uh, certainly Kelly Clarkson wrote a song, If It Don't Kill You, Make You Stronger. But I grew up with that motto. I mean, I grew up, I, look, my mom had her first child at 12 and her second one at 13. So this is really, you know, the story of a woman wow, from the 12. deep south. Yeah, well, you know, right? You know, this this is the, one of those stories you hear That's about. Uh, it is possible. Trust me. Wow. Uh, yeah. uh, just look at my two sisters. Um, but there's this... There's this thing that comes with both inspiration and perspiration, that thing that helps us rise up. Mm-hmm. In today's world, after writing this book, this book had to change you. Writing this book or doing this book had to change you. And I'm curious to know if you emerge differently after seeing this book come to light. You know, my friends, it's interesting you said that because a couple of my friends says, well, you're not really different. I was like, well, hmm. I don't think it, it's not an overnight, <laughs> you know, it's not like you blink your eyes and you're a different person. Uh, but I just do think my heart must change hmm. to some degree. I'm, you, you know, the person to ask probably is my wife because she has to live with me every day. But I think she sees this. Get her on a call. Let's go. You said, let's have a that company more than me. <laughs> you know, I was like, you still uh... believe that? <laughs> I call her the cute one. I have a lot of nicknames for her, but that's the one I've been using lately. And so, um, I don't know, it's that, it's your kids, it's everything. So, I guess to ask them, they, they, I'm going to say they say I've gotten a lot more mellow is probably what they would say, but <laughs> it's introspective, I guess, probably is the right mm-hmm. word. Has your view of success changed? Yes, my my. We'll say that again. Has your view of success changed? I know for me, when I got, look, uh, you know, I was healthy all my life. And six months after buying my first hour of airtime, like 18 years ago, I started to doubt myself. And I got sicker than you can imagine. And so, you know, my question really is that my view of a lot of things in life change. But I'm curious about success because, you know, when I when I sit and I'm speaking with you, what what our listeners may not know is, you know, how successful you really are. And I just wonder if your view of that word or what it means, has that changed for you? Yeah, I think most people think of success as something monetary, but it's probably more spiritual than that. More, you know, mm. family has a mm. lot to do with it. You know, putting God first. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of ways to describe it, but um, it's 
You know, money. Well, this is a great one. Got this from my great grandfather. He said, money, "Money's not the most important thing in life, but it's second to whatever is first. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a good one. No. So it's like you know, who was it that said, uh, "You know, I've been rich, I've been poor. Rich is better." You know. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't been poor per se, so I can't really. I mean, you'll if you read the commentary in the beginning of the book, it does say I was born from aristocracy, and I, what I really try to do is start over a business that and, and from scratch, a business that my great grandfather started back in the uh, 1800s, where a whole bunch of, fa- of family members basically took the dividends and nobody started anything over again. I said, well, I want to start this over again because I've benefited. Mm. I mean, I, I benefited to the tune of $125,000 in stock. I mean, that, that's a lot of people. That's a lot, you know. But And now in the beginning of the book, I lost a quarter of it the first uh, the first five years. So I was like, when I'm dead on myself and buying a company. But I think... Uh, you learn through the years that, you know, you need money to get along, but it's not the most important thing in your life. So I, I kind of go from event to event. I, I have to have something in front of me. Mm-hmm. The book was something I put in front of me. i got to do this. Yeah. You know, I feel like I've got to get it done. And then I got it done. And now <laughs> doing all these interviews, I'm more like, okay, hopefully that will change some life. <laughs> Hopefully it is. And, you know, I'll t- take it from me. I mean, I'm ne- I'm a girl from the Bronx, New York, and I did grow up in a project. I, I was homeless at 17. And I will tell you, when I read wow. your book, I I know that it is a book for people that are on, on the verge of giving up. I know that, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from or what you've been born into. You know, when I sit down, I read your story and I read your lessons and I read what some of the messages are. And there are multiple messages in the book for me. Um, but to come forth and bring a book like this, this is divinely guided to me. It is a book for the time we live in. It is a story that hopefully will inspire people. And you know what I love about it? You're doing all these interviews and maybe you know what's next, but maybe you don't. I wonder, have you ever known what was next? Uh, yeah. <laughs> My favorite quote is, you get the future you plan for. So I... I plan. I, well, I didn't know that I was going to do interviews. I was just a book, and then all of a sudden, you know, I hired a publisher, and, and here we go. Yeah. But uh, you got to do this, and can you make speeches? And yeah, I can do all that. Yeah, sure, I'll do it. Um, but yeah. you know, I, I'm a huge planner, so I plan uh-huh. ahead everything, and then well, sometimes it doesn't work out. Like you yeah, did. yeah. And you got to fix that, or you know, go back and go. Okay, I screwed that up, and let me see if I can fix it. Uh, you know, I've I lived in Tudor City. You know where that is in New York City, right across from the Union Building. Yeah, I was born. I was born in. Kind of nice now, I think, isn't it? I was born in the Bronx. So yeah. I, I, yeah, a whole place changed. I mean, honestly, I, I, every time I go back east, I'm like, oh, let's go look. And I'm like, wait a minute, I graduated PS14. Like, where is that? Is that like, what, yeah. what, what is that building that came up over there? Yeah. What the heck is that? But you know, here's the thing, and I, I don't want to keep you, I know you're doing a bunch of these, these interviews. I love what you said. Now, my stepmama used to have, I mean, I'm telling you, there was more things come out of her mouth than you can even imagine. But 
it took me a bunch of years for them to sink in. And I love what you said. She kind of said almost the same thing that you said and kind of you learned. And I think we probably had the same kind of grandfather. But what she would say is you got to plan for option A and prepare for option B. And I'll tell you what, none of us knew what that was like until option A didn't work out a couple of times in our lives. And we thought, oh, do I have an option B? I want to ask you this question. As you move forward and you're speaking and you're doing these interviews, what is the personal message you want to share with people today? What is that message that you'd like folks to hear right now from you about their beautifully lived lives? Well, one thing, one thing that probably made a huge difference in my life is my wife. You know, this, uh, I kind of go through this. This is quick and easy. Uh, yeah. Great wife, great life. Amazing wife, amazing <laughs> life. You know, so if you, if you get your spouse right, it helps a lot. I mean, she supported me, you know, when I didn't support myself. I was kind of going, uh, I can't do this anymore. This is crazy. Why am I doing this? I need to go get a job. And she would go, I believe you can do it. I believe in you. Just keep going. I was like, mm-hmm. well, okay, somebody believes in me. Having people around you that believe in you is critical, I'd say. That's one thing. Yeah. And then staying on the right path, which, you know, for me uh, is probably different than others. But, you know, prayer has been really helpful for me oh, during, during difficult times. And so that's critical, you know, support. It doesn't have to be, you know, you may not get married, so it could just be yeah. your mother or your sister or yeah. your brother or whatever it is, or, or a friend. Just somebody you feel, you know, really, really believes in you. Boy. And then believe in yourself. you got to believe in yourself. you gotta, you got to, you know, some people call that ego. I don't know that it's that, because when we do... I call that confidence. Yeah, confidence. Confidence. So interviews, and we have people take a test beforehand. And it's real simple. It's eight minutes. But one of the things we actually look for is that confidence. A lot of people in the company call it ego, but it's, and it may come off that way sometimes. But they believe in themselves, and so you don't want somebody in a management role that doesn't believe in themselves because they're not going to pull people with them along with them. And I describe uh, an entrepreneur, the six characteristics of an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. which are really critical and if you don't have all of these, you can't do it. And, it's, and I got this out of, I got this from somebody else, but I was like, wow, that is so smart. Yeah. But you, you tell visionary, it beautifully, though. Visionary, passionate, driven, risk taker. That's a big one. That's yep. one I've, got. I've really got that one. Problem solver and responsible. So those are the... Those are the characteristics you need to be an entrepreneur, and please don't try if you don't have those. Or maybe you have a partner that has half, and you have half, and y'all you know, divide them up. I don't think the, the risk-taker guy would get along with somebody that hates risk, if that's your partner. So, but it might help you a little bit take less risk. Anyway, those are the kind of things that guide me and I think could mm-hmm. help other people. And I love them because I love that, you know, it's important for people to understand, you know, exactly what you said, that there are these things that we can follow. And I agree with you completely. Doubt, doubt, period, doubt, whether it's doubt in your own life or doubt in your higher Mm -hmm. power or doubt, it is more toxic and insidious than fear at some level. And it is the thing, believe me, I know this. I mean, for 
for four years after I graduated, I never talked about my degree at all. I, I wouldn't talk about it. I mean, I just dreamt every night that I would wake up and there would be somebody snatching it out of my hands because it was so unlikely for me to be that person. And I had to go into it. And once you go into it, there's a level of confidence and humility that I really gathered from you and from the book. There's both. You know, ego Worked is the absence. All, yeah. Uh, you, you know, there's ego. There's a lot of work in there. There's a lot in there. But, you know, you're right about this. See, ego is the absence of humility. Yeah. And if you can stand in confidence and, you know, the centeredness you have and everything you've described in the book, this is a message for a time. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you so much for doing the book. I want to thank you for joining me. One last question. I'd love to know your personal message, but also tell people how to get the book and, and tell them how to find out about you. Cause I think, I think you got a picture of your wife on your website too. Yeah. White.com <laughs> and then summer classics, uh, the name of the company. We didn't really talk much about my company. So, uh, summer classics and Gabby home and Wendy yeah. Jane are the three companies inside Gabriel. White. It's and beautiful furniture. I mean, I just love it. I had my uh, roommate in college who's an actor, producer, director read it, and it just came out on Audible. So you can get it on, you can get it at viewwhite.com. You can get it at any one of the summer classics home stores, and you can get it um, at Amazon, obviously, and, and either Kindle it or, you know, read it, read the book itself or mm -hmm. do the. Audible's kind of cool because he's crying. I, I called him later and said, <laughs> Hey, you're crying during something like that. It's like, Were you really crying? Are yeah. you just a good actor? And he's like, no, I, mm. I don't know. I, tell me where it was. I was like, well, okay. Never, maybe you were acting. I don't know, but did a good job on it. Yeah. And, you know, you can't really act that kind of emotion. You really can't. Yeah. Um, yeah, hard, you just can't. You know, thank you so much for coming out here Thanks and doing a, a, doing a longer interview with me. And there's much more to talk about. Also, when they go to take a look at your website, they're going to see more about your company. They're going to see more about you. They're going to see more about the beauty that you all are creating. Just absolutely oh, beautiful, you. beautiful, beautiful furniture. Beautiful. Thank you so thank much for everything. Okay. All right, everybody. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. back in that jazz mood, aren't we? I don't know. What happened to the rap music, Benny? So, oh my gosh. There you go. Thank you, Benny. I like it. You're welcome. I'm going to play that in my car. Boy, I got to have me some baked something now. <laughs> I'm telling you. Sharon Martin with a meditation brought to you from Maximum Medicine Radio.
This is a short meditation I designed to improve your connection to the plant world, specifically with regard to plants as food. Please do not do this meditation while driving. The meditation is available anytime through my website. So let's begin. Find a comfortable place where you can allow yourself to deepen inwardly. Let's start by taking a few nice, deep, relaxed breaths. In with your nose, out with your mouth, letting your shoulders drop and your belly soften. We are entering a sacred healing space. And now I open sacred space, calling to all the directions, to the allies, to the guides, all those with the highest good come join us. Now gently bring your awareness to the space between your eyebrows, seeing from behind your eyes. Again, continue with the deep, easy breathing in with your nose, out with your mouth. Allow yourself to relax, releasing any tension and taking yourself deeper into this sacred healing space. And now set your intention to connect on a deep level with the plant world and continue to breathe deeply and without tension. And now let your awareness fall from behind your eyes, dropping down into your chest, down to the backside of the heart and find the entrance to the small sacred space of the heart. Allow your inner knowing to direct you there. You energetically have been there many times. Make your way into this sacred chamber and take a seat. Look around this familiar room. You are happy to be back in this special place. Find your favorite seat. Comfortably sit and prepare yourself for a sacred journey. Let your body soften as you are guided, following my instructions. Continue to breathe in with your nose, out with your mouth, holding no tension. You know that you will learn important messages today. You look forward to the wisdom that you will gain. So let's now leave the chamber, walking in sacred energy. Take yourself out to a favorite place in nature. This may be a meadow, a mountaintop, perhaps the seashore, perhaps at the base of a tree. Take time to see this magnificent sight. You are completely relaxed as you settle into this gorgeous place of nature. Look around and see this beautiful spot as you settle in comfortably. Sense all the nature spirits around you. You are completely safe. 
Notice the colors, the sounds, the smells. You feel yourself surrounded by all the nature spirits and you begin to open to the dialogue. When you are ready, ask to connect to one of the plant divas that has an important message for you. Ask to connect to one specific diva at this time, knowing that it comes to bring you information, perhaps about the plant it directly represents, or perhaps as a communicator for another single plant or group of plants or from the nature spirits. Ask to connect. If you get any hesitation, ask, is this conversation possible today? If you get a strong answer that today is not the time, do not despair. You may return as often as you'd like. So just for the remainder, sit peacefully in your nature spot. Perhaps you sense hesitation or resistance as opposed to a clear no. Then you may ask, is there anything I may do to allow this dialogue to unfold? You may be guided to a simple fix, perhaps offering a guarantee that you will take the information to heart or that you come in mutual respect. Take a moment to ask if you may proceed or if there's something you need to do to allow this process to go forward. See the plant diva approach. Note its shape and color. Perhaps it's just a color, perhaps a feeling. Perhaps it presents in specific form. Maybe it comes as the embodiment of a specific plant or category of plants. Take notice of this, sense its energy and invite it to come to join you in a special place of nature. Start a conversation with this diva. Ask, what plant energy is needed in my life at this time? What healing power can the plant world bring to me? Is there a specific plant I need to be more connected with? Does this mean as food or nutrition? Take a minute to get those answers.
ask for increased understanding of the value of relationship with the plant world. Ask for help from the plant allies for your improved wellness. And take some time now to continue your dialogue with the diva, getting whatever messages you need at this time from the plant world. Get ready to take your leave from the diva. As always, in right balance, offer gratitude for the help that it has brought you, knowing that you can reconnect at any time. You may come another time and another plant diva will present itself and the messages are likely to be different. But know that you can come any time 
with dialogue with the plant world. And you can develop beautiful allies and friendships with these spirits. So with the messages you got today, take a minute to deeply breathe. Take in the messages that you received and take time right now to integrate them into your field. Now gently say goodbye, and with a heart full of gratitude and appreciation, take your leave from this spot in nature, and gently walk back from this nature place into the sacred space of your heart. Take a moment for re-entry, settling on your favorite cushion or place to sit, and breathe. Now gently bring your awareness back to this time and this place. We close sacred space as we release the ambassadors of the plant world and thank the directions, the allies, the guides, as always with deep gratitude for their presence and assistance. Be gentle as you re-enter your day and restart your tasks. You are magnificent beings of light. Be well. <laughs>